everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey. On today's episode, I welcome in Nick Gray, who is an entrepreneur and best-selling author of the book, The Two-Hour Cocktail Party. He's been featured in the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, and New York Magazine called him a host of culturally significant parties. And we had quite the conversation all around hosting your own party. We challenged everyone listening in to host their own party sometime in early 2024. And Nick walks you through the step-by-step process, the things to consider to make your party a success. So I hope you all enjoy this conversation with Nick. Without further ado, please welcome in Nick Gray. Nick, welcome. Good to have you. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to have you. I've been following this journey of yours. I read your book. I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm planning my first party, uh, my get-together here in the first quarter of uh, 2024. So I'm excited to have you on and kind of share some thoughts around this because a lot of folks I talk with are kind of like me where they're introverted. They're kind of scared to get out of the shadow. And I know COVID has allowed us to, hey, we're working remote. We don't have to see each other as much anymore. Um, so I'm trying to change that. I'm trying to meet more people next year. I'm trying to get out and expand the horizons. And I think it's something that's relevant for a lot of folks. So I want to bring you on to talk through that. Um, and maybe that's a good place to start then is people that are introverts, people that are, are scared to set up something. It's on them. If they set up a party, it's on them. If they put an event together, how do you talk to folks like that? How do you, how do you kind of share that first step to even getting over that uh, insecurity, I guess we'll call it. So, first of all, I love introverts. I feel like I'm kind of an ambivert, which means that I present as an extrovert, but even during my own events, I'll sneak off like into my bedroom or into another room, or I'll like go to the bathroom and scroll social media on my phone for five minutes yeah. to just recharge my batteries. One thing I found, I don't know if this is your experience, but I found that introverts like to know what to expect for social events and that when they know a little bit ahead of time what's going to happen who's going to be there a little bit of what type of conversations to have it helps them feel more comfortable in social situations and so i try to get people to host events that have a little bit of structure and i'll give you an example when i first moved to new york i Moved to New York City in my late 20s. I did not have social skills. I did not have a social life. I think all through my 20s until then, I had like never had a girlfriend. And I moved to New York wanting to meet people, wanting to build my network. I'd go to these networking events. And frankly, I kind of stunk at that. Like I was a big loser. I'd go home feeling like a loser. It. I would wait on the sidelines, around the edges, look for people that were by themselves to go talk to. And I just had a really bad experience with it. And I felt like it was my fault. And then I realized that maybe it was my fault, but but maybe I was probably also just going to bad events and that the events weren't truly designed to help people create new connections. And that's when I set out on this mission to try to figure out a formula for hosting good events. Yeah, I like that. Well, it, you, you are right, because I think sim, I would probably cat it. What, what would the word you use? Am, ambivert? Would you? Ambivert, okay. like a little introvert, a little extra. Like you host a I, podcast. You yeah. have to be an extrovert. I'm, I'm an ambivert, too. I think the way you're describing it, like people think I'm an extrovert, but I, I'd rather go to a small gathering 
talk to three to four people in a small group versus a large. Mm -hmm. Well, and this is something too, like I, I'll give a shout out, uh, Chris Garcia, he started this conference called MLC Connect. Uh, and he's actually out of Houston. But the reason I bring it up, it kind of reminded me as I saw your stuff where it's for graphic designers, like in the sports creative space. And what was really neat, this is many years ago, but and he's still doing the conference, but what was really neat is like, it was small. It had like under a hundred people, like 50 to a hundred in the conference, really intimate, small groups. You can have lunch together. You can all do it. different than, you know, most conferences, they want two, three, 5,000 people. There's all these things run around. And to your point, you can't really meet anyone. So yeah. I, I like, that's why I like the structure of yours, where it seems like you encourage, you know, at least maybe about 15 people, but you don't want to get up to you know, 75 people and have this massive, you know, party, you got to keep it somewhat intimate. And that's what brings folks together, right? You know what I tell people? Oh, by the way, for dinners, I don't recommend people host a dinner party, because for a new host, it's actually quite complicated to do a dinner party. So I can talk more about why not to do dinners. But I found that hosting happy hours or cocktail parties, whatever you want to call them, a meetup, happy hour, cocktail party, whatever, Hosting those was so much easier, but I did find there was a magic number. And I think that magic number is around 16 to 22 attendees. Mm -hmm. I found that if you have less than 16 for a happy hour, there's not enough energy in the room. And it takes a lot of work for you as the host to make sure there's no lulls in conversation. If you only have like 10 or 12, people all kind of gravitate towards one circle or one group. Mm -hmm. But if you have 16 to 22, they can break off into small groups. People can pop around. They can get a drink. They go to the bathroom. Above 22, 23, 25, it's too much. It's a little too much for a new host to manage and truly make introductions. Mm -hmm. So when I work with people now, I have this book where I teach people how to host their first event. And I say, your first party should be about 16 to 22 people. Okay. I like that. Well, let's do this. I love on this podcast to, you know, get people out of their comfort zone. Let's challenge people. So let's make a challenge, everyone listening in, to host their first event in the Q1 of 2024. So we're, we're this, well, this will launch. Well, I guess, it, I guess we'll give them two Q2, depending on when this launch, we'll give them the first few months of 2024 into half the year. So let's walk through. So if we challenge them, they need some ideas of how to host because most people have no idea. So let's, let's kind of go through the playbook here. What are some of your encouragements? And maybe we break it down like pre-planning, We'll talk yeah. about the event itself and then maybe some follow-up after the fact of how to keep the momentum going potentially. Fantastic. I'll tell them everything they need to know. They don't even need to buy my book. I'm going to tell them everything that they need to do. So first thing that you need to do, if you are serious about this challenge, first, let's set the mindset. And you help me, Brian, to help them think about the mindset of why they would want to do this. I have my ideas, but you know your listeners better. So help me out with this. But generally... The idea that I have found is that if you want to know how your life could be different with a peer group that encourages and inspires you, I have found that many people hang out with the same people and they talk about the same things all the time. I am obsessed with meeting new people who challenge and inspire me, and I'm always looking to meet more people. Whether I'm not saying I'm going to make a best friend immediately, but I want to grow my network of acquaintances and connections. Mm -hmm. That is the general idea. Now you can use those acquaintances to find a new job, to launch a business, to get customers, to get employees for your business, maybe for dating or for relationships. But I believe in the power of having a very large network of acquaintances 
and all the benefits and opportunities that can come from that. So I want to throw that out there, see how you would repackage that. And then I'll get into like the specifics and the tactics. Well, yeah. And I think, you know, again, if you look at where am I at today, let's just take a general person and everyone's in different spots in their life. But if the whole goal is to say, how do I improve? How do I become better? How do I become happier, more fulfilled? I think to you made a great point there is a lot of us are stuck. Maybe stuck's the wrong word, but a lot of us are in our old friend groups. Maybe we hang around close family. Maybe it's friends that, you know, like, and I'm grateful. I don't see these guys as much as I'd like, but I have some of my best friends from New York that live down here in Raleigh, North Carolina. We get up a few times a year, but I don't see them all the time. They live a little mm. further away from where I live, but that's cool to have those. But what I've done, and partly this was luck, and partly this was intentional, is when you were asking that question, it really made me think about CrossFit over the last six years, that community, um, a community, well, I, I said uh, major level creative, like that community, like building like those type of folks. And then this group that I was involved with called NextGen um, that was started many years ago, I met some of my my mentor there, some of these people that have become my best friends, this girl Chow, who's like this f fabulous girl that uh, runs this agency up in New York, we chat all the time. Like these people I would have never met if I didn't take the leap and, and go to that conference. So roundabout way of we have our friend groups, our families that to your point, we're kind of stuck with COVID made us more even stuck in our homes where we didn't get out mm -hmm. as much. I think there's an mm -hmm. opportunity now to say, all right, how do I over the next few years really broaden the horizon and bring new folks in the mix that are going to make my life more enriched. So that's, mm -hmm. that's a long way of saying it, but that's kind of how I think about it. You know, by chance, does that woman Chow run a company called Chow Media? Yeah. Yeah. Do you know Chow? Dude, I actually do know Chow and I wow. went on one of her dumpling tours. Oh my God. She she's was amazing. Messing. She's so cool. Yeah. Well, small world. Yeah. She, uh, yeah, she's amazing. So we catch up all the time. Goofies have similar kind of a synergy in terms of how we think about the world. But I met her at this conference, like it was 2019, you know, mm. but I would, if I never, and you know, what's so funny is I think about going into that conference. Um, uh -huh. and I remember that it was like, God, do I really want to fly up to New York? Do I want to go to this conference? It was way outside my comfort zone. I was early in the podcast. I was, I wasn't kind of in the entrepreneurship mindset yet. But that's my encouragement. Again, everyone listen in, like just you got to take a chance sometimes and you got to put yourself in the line. You don't know if it's going to work, but you know, you never know, right? You never know that one person can change your life. And that's all that I want folks to know is yeah. that if you're hanging out with the same people, doing the same things, talking about the same stuff, there is a massive benefit to having a peer group, to knowing people that can be friends or acquaintances or just loose connections that very much could change your life. And I've had a lot of those moments where I've met one person that's feels like it changes everything for me. So that's what I want you to think about for hosting these parties and why you should think about hosting a very simple gathering. I will teach you everything you need to know to make it a success so that people think about you like a great host. I myself have hosted probably 900 parties. I've taught 400 25 people how to host their very first party. And what I found is the bar is so low for a good gathering that anyone can learn how to do this. It's just like going to the gym or learning a skill. You start out and you can learn how to do it and how to get good at it. But the very first step, if you want to accept Brian's challenge, the very first step 
is to look at your calendar and to pick a date three to four weeks in advance. You know, many people make this mistake that they're like, oh, okay, I'm going to, I'll do a party. Today's Monday. I'll host it this Friday. And that doesn't really give you enough time to collect all the RSVPs. I'll tell you why that's important. The number one fear for a new host is that nobody is going to show up. Yeah, that's fair. That's the number one fear. Oh my God, is anybody actually going to show up? And so, so much of my plan, my process, my methods involve getting people to actually show up and make sure that you never have to worry about that. So step one is to pick a date, but I'll tell you when you should host. I have found that the best days of the week are not Friday, Saturday, Sundays, but instead are Tuesdays or Wednesdays. For a little two-hour gathering, Tuesday and Wednesday nights are the best. If I had to pick one, I would probably say Wednesday night. The reason for that is that Friday, Saturday nights are socially competitive. They are the other nights that people usually plan things. And as a first-time host, you're more likely to get bumped. You're more likely to have schedule conflicts. You're more likely to have last-minute cancellations when you host on a socially competitive night. So make your life easy. Host it on a Tuesday or Wednesday night. Do you recommend – So, I, and I think I remember this from the book – is you recommend, if you can, host from your house, right? Yes. When is it's the, controversial. Yes. I, well, I was going to ask – So. Because obviously, maybe people can't. They have kids running around, or you know, who whatever. But what if let's so let's talk with the house and that opportunity. If it's not the house, though, is there another alternative suggestion, like as a as like a one B kind of thing? I do have an alternative. I'll talk about it. But for ninety five percent of people, the best place is going to be your home. Now, when I lived in New York, when I first moved there, I had a really dingy apartment that was way out in Brooklyn. In fact, the basement smelled like cat litter. And I still hosted little meetups there. I'll tell you why your house is better is because it takes you out of the networking transactional mindset of hosting at a bar. See a bar when people host a gathering at a bar, I call them bardies, like parties, but bardies. No. And they're kind of terrible because everybody has to settle their own bill. You don't know who's there for the party, who's not. It's loud, it's crowded, or it's awkward. It's just not generous. When you host at your home, you invite someone into your space and you really turbocharge the relationship with them. Because I can tell you, if somebody invites me to a bar meetup or something, I don't feel like I owe them anything. And by the way, this isn't about owing somebody something. But it's that spirit of generosity that if you can lead off a new relationship by adding value, by giving to someone, I think you'll be much better set up to really build a good relationship. I found that when I hosted at home, it turbocharged the acquaintance to friend so much faster. It felt so much more special and intimate. And so hosting at home really is where you should be hosting. Even if you have a small house, even if you're far away, even if parking's difficult, you'll be surprised at how much people truly want to be invited to something special like this. Thoughts and questions on that before I give the backup? Well, and I guess maybe this tails back to the what we were talking about earlier with who you invite. Because I, I think some of the nervousness is like, oh my God, am I inviting like 16 complete strangers? If I recall, you, you also encourage maybe to invite a few people that you 
kind of know fairly well into that when, when you make the invite, right? Just to help build that guest list early on. Can you share a little yeah. bit more on that? Yeah, for your first party that we're planning here, you should think about kind of a group of people that you feel comfortable with. I don't want you to reach out to somebody who you want to impress or someone who you really don't know that well for your first party. Remember, I'm trying to give you a formula so that you can host maybe once every couple months. And that is truly where you'll find the most success. When you can learn how to make hosting a habit, you will be seen as someone who organizes people. And that's the secret. Everyone wants to be friends with someone who hosts a good gathering. Okay, so that's the big thing. So hosting at home is really the way to do it. The people to invite for your first one, think about your neighbors, your colleagues, people you worked with in the past, people you went to school with, your friends, their significant others. You kind of just want to mix different buckets of your life. And by the way, that's really important to mix those different buckets. It could be some parents of kids at school. It could be some of your neighbors. It could be people from a sports club, some of your old colleagues. You want to mix those different groups, and that's what's really special about these events. What are you calling the party, by the way? Like, what's the name? Because you send out like a, what are people using to send out the invites? You know, whatever. The, like, what what are you calling the event? Like Brian's like cool party bash or something? Like, what's the name of it? So I've thought a lot about this. I've called them meetups, mixers, happy hours, holiday gatherings. I found that cocktail party was the easiest thing to call them, even if I don't know how to make cocktails. By the way, I wrote a book called The Two-Hour Cocktail Party. I don't drink alcohol. There's not a single drink recipe in the book. But the idea of a cocktail party immediately gets into somebody's mind, oh, this is a lightweight social gathering. You could call it a mixer or a happy hour or something like that. I recommend a lot of my readers just call it cocktails and icebreakers and something like that to set the expectations. Now, I know that the idea of doing icebreakers can be cringe. I'll talk about that. Most people don't like them because they do them poorly or they've had bad experiences. I'll tell you how to do them well. But the idea is that at this party, you're just going to help introduce all the attendees to meet some new and interesting people. So you're in Raleigh right now. A way that you might invite this would be to say, Hey, I've met all these really different and interesting people here in Raleigh. I just want to host a meetup to kind of introduce you all and have everybody mix and mingle. It can be hard to meet new people as we get older. There's no agenda. I'm not selling anything. It's just a two-hour happy hour. Would love to send you the information. That's how we set it up and set the expectations for the guests that it's not a game night. It's not a, it's not a gift swap. It's just a simple happy hour to mix and mingle. Do you mention like any topics that might you're like, Hey, we're going to, there's a theme to this at all. Or do you recommend, I guess, let's start maybe there. Do you recommend like a theme party? Like, Oh, we're going to do, we're going to talk about podcasting and I'm going to invite people that are in that realm. Or do you like it more random? For the first party, I want somebody to do the easiest possible, not curated event. After you've hosted two or three of these and you have it down, then you can start to curate around a topic or a theme. But for your first one, you really just want it to be like neighbors, friend, like those people that when you walk around the neighborhood, you see them with their dog and you say hi all the time, but you actually don't know their name or have any idea what they do or anything right. like that. That's what I want your first party to be. 
And the reason is because I want you to feel like it's a safe space where you can experiment with some of the framework that I'm going to give you. One of the biggest mistakes I see is sometimes I talk to single guys and they're like, oh, I'm hosting a party. I'm inviting this girl that I have a crush on. <laughs> I'm like, do not do that. You're going to be too nervous. You're going to be too, no, no, no. Just focus on your friends, your colleagues, people you went to school with, things like that. By the way, you can host this. If you're a parent and you're listening to this, many people have these interesting parent relationships where you know they see the other parents at kids' birthday parties, but they never actually get to have adult conversations with the parents. And so I suggest plan a party for the adults where you get a chance to meet them outside of the school setting without kids, ideally, and you really get to know them. It's very powerful. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, again, any way for people to connect that other, and you almost become, you're a connector, really. I mean, that's really what you're doing. You're just connecting people and new friendships are formed from that. And I think that's the cool thing. I'm trying to remember if it was Seth Godin or someone said this to me about like, you become that person. They remember like who the mutual connection was in yes. as it goes on, right? That's the secret is that you can become that connector within your community. All that it takes is to step up and host a simple happy hour. And it really, I mean, I just can't, there's stories. There's a woman who read my book, her name's Cindy. She's out in Seattle and she read my book and she hosted her first party, her second or third. She has a weird business. Her business is stroller mom workouts. Okay, so they like meet up in the park with a bunch of moms with their kids in their strollers, and she leads these workouts. And she said after three parties, her business had literally doubled. And it wasn't because she was selling at the parties, but just she was top of mind for everyone who came to her parties. Mm. At the party, when they did the round of intros, she got to say a little bit about her business, and it made her more referable and everybody. The funny thing is, is that finance people, real estate people, when they hear about my book, they're like, client events, say no more. Yeah. I got it. I'm going to do it immediately. It's the other people that's a little harder to convince. All right. Well, let's, so, and and obviously people can get your book. There's, you have a lot of great content online, so they can fill in some of these gaps. We're not going to get to everything. Let's talk about, so you, you invite, let's say 20 people RSVP. They're coming. You got a date oh, set. Yeah. And now it's the, it's the day of the event. Let's talk through a few of the things to kind of get things going once the event arrives. So you had mentioned, by the way, what platforms people use, and you have to collect RSVPs. That's one of the biggest mistakes people make is they'll just spray and pray. They'll like make something in Canva or Photoshop or something. And they just like mass text it to neighborhood groups or whatever. That's never a good idea. And the reason is because for a new host, you really want to know that folks are going to be there. And I want you to remove that anxiety of thinking that nobody will show up. And so the way to do that is to collect RSVPs. It also really boosts your attendance rate. Here's the two platforms that I like and recommend right now. Number one is this one called Partyful, spelled P-A-R-T-I-F-U-L. And I'll send links in the show notes um, for these platforms. It's a free thing. Um, it's very good. The next one that I use a lot for my events is called Mixily, M-I-X-I-L-Y. The reason I like both of those better than Evite or Facebook is that they don't require registration from your guests. There's no ads, there's no spam, and they don't charge for it. We just want a simple free thing that works good on mobile where people can sign up on RSVP. Okay, so that's how you collect RSVPs. At the party itself, day of the party, what happens? Well, I want you to think about my name, which is Nick. And each of the letters stands for something that you'll do at your party. 
the N stands for name tags. You're going to have name tags, even if it's your neighbors, even if you know everybody's name, I promise you, everybody else does not know the names. And it makes it easier for people to start new connections when you have those name tags. It's a really powerful thing. It shows that this is not a party of clicks. Because if you ever walked into a party and you're like, oh man, I don't know anybody yeah. here. Like what, what that experience is like, right? It's actually pretty intimidating, especially for introverts. And when everybody wears a name tag, it's like we're all wearing a sports jersey that like we're on the same team or yeah. something. Name tags are big. Do you like name tags? Are you pro name tags? Would you use uh, them? Absolutely. I'm very pro name tag. Yeah. Well, I like knowing because I, I mean, I think I'm decent at remembering names. But again, you meet 15 people in, you know, a 20 minute setting. It's hard sometimes to remember. So I like that connection point. Yeah. And I even think... Um, I can't remember exact, maybe it was a, a, an event I think you did at South by Southwest, but were they, you actually were doing like topics, I think. And you also put like a topic below, which I thought was neat. Again, just to, you might not do mm -hmm. that all the time, but that I think for that specific event, it was relevant. It was helpful. I've, I've been experimenting with that writing on the name tag, you know, what's one of your favorite sh shows on Netflix? Like, what are you watching right now? Or what's a hobby you like or something that's advanced level. And I have thoughts on how to do that well, but just knowing that you'll have name tags and doing the name tags. All right, so that's the end, is you're gonna do name tags for everybody. You're gonna write them as the host, first name only, big block letters. And then the I. I stands for icebreakers or introductions. You as the host are going to lead two or three rounds of quick introductions to let people roll call and just say who's in the room. Now these intros and icebreakers serve two purposes. Number one, they help people to be like, oh, that guy's a podcast. I'm interested in podcasts. Like, oh, they have two small kids. I want to go talk to them. They'll let people start conversations. But also when you lead structured activities like this during a party, it also helps people to end their conversations. Mm -hmm. And that's really what a lot of people need help with because they go to events and they end up talking to one person for like 10 minutes longer than they actually probably should. Yeah. They're kind of done, but they're way too nice. Do you ever do that? Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, again, you're, you're to your point, like if there's no break, which is something, yeah, like I said, I, it's kind of a nice, I think you call it your, is it your thesis structure and release? That's part of the release part, yes. right? <laughs> um, I think that, yeah, like releasing out and saying, Hey, go do your thing, but then, Hey, come back. And yes. you have some control over the group. And I think people appreciate that as well. Cause some people don't want to be rude and, step away but you can help them in that, in that regard you know it really does help and they'll be like super thankful about it actually i get a lot of compliments about that and new hosts do as well so that's the i the i is for the icebreakers by the way there's a good icebreaker and there's a bad icebreaker a good icebreaker at the beginning is simply something that doesn't take a lot of time to think about is easy to answer expresses a little bit about somebody's personality and doesn't mostly cause the introverts to lock up. So you actually don't want a brain teaser icebreaker. You don't want like, ooh, what's the best icebreaker? Ooh, ooh I'm really gonna get him with this one. I went to a friend's dinner like six months ago and he had us all go around and say what our worst first date was or one of our worst <laughs> dates. It's actually like a terrible icebreaker because we're talking about these negative memories and it's just like a weird, I like doing something easy at the beginning. So I have everybody go around, say their name, say what they do for work, and then say one of their favorite things that they like to eat for breakfast. 
I know that might seem silly or childish, but I tell you, it works every single time because that icebreaker is easy to answer. Nobody locks up. There's no judgment about it. Mm -hmm. And it expresses a little bit about their personality. So at the beginning of an event where there's no rapport built up, that's when you really want to do something easy and simple. Later on at the event, you can do what I call a value additive icebreaker. An example of that is that, well, it's a question that when everybody answers, it makes the room feel smarter. So one of my favorites is like, what's one of your favorite purchases for under $100 or less? Could be an object or an experience. Mm -hmm. Or what's a great piece of media that you consumed recently, like a documentary, a book, a a trashy TV show you binge watched, you know, a YouTube channel. Just what's a good piece of media that you watched and you liked? I like those because they add value to the room. Everybody's getting new, cool ideas about new products, new books, new documentaries. And it means that they leave your party being like, oh, dang, I met so many people. I got so many cool ideas. That's the vibe. And that's what happens at these parties. So that's the N. That's the I. Yep. Do, do you have a thought? So is the icebreaker for the entire group or is that also in like the small groups you might break up in? If you, if you the icebreaker really is for the whole group. Okay. And I'm glad you asked because you have to run it fast. A good icebreaker is a fast icebreaker. And so you want to do it with everybody and and do it fast. There's some advanced things where you can break people into smaller groups, but I want to wait and let people do two or three of these easy parties before we get into the more advanced stuff. Mm. Well, and the one thing I want to note, because I think this could be really helpful for the first party, especially with maybe these in, the introverts uh, like myself. I love that. I, I saw a video you did. I'll post it up in the show notes where you had this, re- I, and this is obviously you hosted so many parties, you've kind of learned this, but someone would come in you would write their name in the name tag and you'd kind of, you know, talk with them a little bit. And then someone else would knew would come. So instead of that person sitting there, you actually walked them over, did a quick intro, like, oh, you may like Tom because he's doing this. And then you kind of like yes. pass it off and then come back. And like, again, you become that connector between folks, you know, knowing, okay, I know this person and this person they've never met, but they have similar interests because I know both of them here. Let me introduce them. And I just liked how it was like a smooth pass off. So you can go back and be the host and then they can start feeling comfortable. They're not just standing there alone. What you're talking about is just being a leader of your gathering. And I think many people think, oh man, I'm a chill host. You know, I'm just going to invite my boys over for (laughs) for beers and we're going to watch football. No, I'm not going to do name tags. I'm not going to do intros. You know, I'm a chill host. But at a party like this, where you mix your different friend groups, where you invite interesting people you've met that maybe you're not good friends with, you want to make it such a welcoming environment for them to meet other people. And the way that you do that is with a little bit of structure. So that's why these things do work. When you do leadership, when you make introductions, you'll be seen as truly an amazing host. All right, let's let's keep hitting these. I want to make sure we get. So what's the C then? What's the... So we have icebreakers. What's the C? C stands for cocktails or mocktails only, no dinner parties. I think a lot of people think, oh, I need to host. I need to invite these people over for dinner. I found, you know, I hosted dozens of dinner parties on my exploration of events phase. And I found that dinner parties were logistically very complicated with the ordering, the cooking, the arrivals, the dietary preferences, 
the conversation, I mean, it just was a lot, really. And it wasn't as flexible enough to allow me to still lead an event relatively stress-free. So I say the C in my formula stands for cocktails or mocktails only, no food, no dinner. Now you can do a little bit of food. You can do some appetizers, some nuts, some chips, some guacamole, things like that. But this is not a dinner party and you're going to let people know, hey, this is a happy hour. No formal dinner will be served. We'll have light bites, but no dinner. Well, and that's the point I think of hosting it also later, right? The 7 to 9 p.m. time where most people are... <laughs> They're adults. They should be able to eat, get your get your stuff together, and then come on over. So it makes it a little easier. That's the idea. That's yeah. the idea. Or you can host it before. You know, in North Carolina, where you are, it might be five to seven is better, and they can eat afterwards. It's funny. In New York, happy hours was pretty common to be seven to nine, which I know seems so late, but things just went later. People really didn't get out of work until six or 6.30. And and seven to nine was good and they could eat afterwards. Now, now I live in Austin, Texas, and here it's really more of like the five to seven is the happy hour. I feel like people get out earlier, they start earlier. Yeah. Choose your time based on your judgment of your crowd and your audience. But yeah, you're gonna give them time to either eat before or afterwards. Just know my general theory is I would rather people leave my party hungry rather than bored. Most people spend way too much time thinking about the food and the spread mm -hmm. and not enough time thinking about the guests, the introductions and the conversations. Yeah, That really is your job. Your friends are adults. They can eat and feed themselves. But what you're going to help with is being a good host. Well, you make a good point because we've all been to those parties where it's like you're looking at your watch. You're like, I've been here for like, you know, 52 minutes. And you're like, ah, when can I kind of step out of here? Yeah, I think you want to get to the point, right, where it's like, oh, my God, yes. it's time to go. Yes, that's what I hear. By the way, that was me last week. I went to this launch party for some app. And I was like, oh my God, I've been here 10 minutes and I already want to leave. The host is like watching me. How much longer do I have to stay? I'm like counting down on my clock. That happens. That happens. And he knew you're the you're the the host guy. So like the party guy. So does he, <laughs> did you have like a bullseye on your back? Like, okay, let's see how long Nick stays. Let's see if he's engaged. You joke about that, but I actually do. I feel like all this pressure now when I go to events. But yes, you want, trust me, when you host a party with this formula, that's what you're going to hear from people. Oh my God, the two hours went by so fast. I can't believe it's already over. And that leads us to the K in the N-I-C-K formula. K stands for kick them out at the end. The party is only two hours long. There's a lot of reasons for that, but one of them is just for your own mental health and sanity so that you can wrap up. Remember, you're hosting this on a Tuesday or Wednesday night. This is not a blowout, let's get wasted party. It's mm -hmm. a simple social gathering. And when you can kick people out and still have time to clean up, to tidy, to take care of yourself, you're going to want to host again. So that's number one. I really think you need to be hosting these like once a quarter. Mm -hmm. But the K for kick them out at the end also helps your guests to end on a high note. Yeah. When you end it when things are going well, People are like, oh my God, that was amazing. Like I met all these people, I learned all this stuff and now they kicked me out and I'm like going home on time. This is great. It's gonna help you make it easier for people to come back to your future parties. Yeah. And that's the goal, right? You don't just want somebody to come once, you want them to come into your world. Well, it goes back to what we, I mean, even like the dating analogy is a great analogy. Like if, if you're ending of like a first date and you're like, oh my God, we gotta go. Like you're excited for like, 
there's some there's something left there. You didn't exhaust everything. And yeah, you have a five hour party and people are like, ah, I'd be drug out of here, you know, whatever. So it's not I don't think it's a good experience. So I like the, I like the short to the point and let them talk about it and maybe they'll come to the next one or they want to come to the next one. You know, they're asking about it. So that's kind of cool. It's basically like popping a balloon. It's like you can either pop the balloon and get it over with or you can slowly let the balloon seep out the air. I want to pop the balloon when things are going well. I want to put a bow on it and say, hey, thank you so much for coming. And the way that you end a party, by the way, because people always ask me that, the way that you end a party is first by setting the expectations that there's a start time and an end time. And by the way, when you set an end time, when your party's only two hours, people are going to show up on time. Because I think everybody's had this experience where you get invited to like a barbecue on a Saturday at 3 p.m. You would never show up at 3 p.m. In fact, most people yeah. would probably show up at like 4.30, an hour and a half after the party started because they don't want to show up on time. Like, oh, nothing will be ready, whatever. When you host a two-hour party, people will show up on time and it compresses the first 10 to 25 minutes. That That's what I call the awkward zone. That's when not a lot of people have arrived and it's like not enough energy in the room. That still happens and I have some tips and advice on how to work through the awkward zone at any parties. The The easiest thing I do is I'll just ask some of my close friends to show up 10 or 20 minutes early, have mm. them help me out to welcome people. Mm. But that K is important to kick them out at the end so that you'd be ready and willing to do this again. I want you to end the party being like really pumped up and excited, being like, holy cow, I can't believe I did that. That was amazing. How do you get people, like when you're like, and you have, by the way, what's the genesis of the harmonica? Isn't that funny? Oh, no. Now we're going to talk about the harmonica. People are going to be like, what? This is crazy. I'm just curious. So I hosted these museum tours. I was a museum tour guide for many years for my last company. And I needed a way to get people's attention that wasn't jarring within the galleries. I tried, you know, a bell or a whistle or clinking a glass at events. It just wasn't as pleasing. And so one time I had a harmonica and I just blew a low note. I can't play a musical instrument to save my life, but I just use it as a noisemaker to just a calming noise. It's a little silly, but it does get people's attention in a better way. Yeah. What you don't want is to be this person. Hey, everybody, you know, you're standing on a chair. You're right. having to like yell over everybody. You're like the old thing. Like if you can hear me clap once, I feel like those <laughs> are kind of like, oh, it's a, it's just like a cheap trick. Yeah, I like that. Uh, the harmonica, not the yelling. The <laughs> so what? What's kind of the follow up then? So again, we're having a great party. It's time to go. People leave. Say your goodbyes. Like, what are the next day or two days or week? Like, do you follow up with them? Do you just kind of mm. move on? Is there any advice you'd give? My thoughts on this have evolved. Um, when I first wrote the book, I tell people, "Yep, follow up the next morning. Send people the group photo. Thank them for coming." If your goal is to get meetings and connections from an event like this to really build friendships, know that that probably won't happen at your party itself, okay? Because your job during the party is to be a host and you're in host mode. You're making introductions, you're welcoming people, you're tidying, you're running icebreakers. You're not really gonna have a chance to drop in in a long 10, 20, 30 minute conversation. If you wanna create a connection, then do what I do create that space for a follow-up during the last 30 minutes of the party. So I'll look around at the party and be like, dang, who do I really like? Who do I want to get to know better? Who do I want to have a conversation with? 
And so I would go up to someone like you, Brian, I would say, Hey, Brian, thank you so much for coming tonight. You know, I'd really love to just like say, Hey, um, can I call you tomorrow? And like, we'll schedule a time to meet for coffee. A little thing like that to do it at the party itself for me makes it so much easier than trying to follow up with them afterwards. However, that's not always possible. You're busy, you're hosting. And so if you want to get meetings or follow-ups, then do it the next morning, do it the next day, send out a couple of emails and that's your greatest likelihood. And then you're just back to the drawing board. I mean, eventually you like the experience and the party and you'd set a date for your next one and it's just wash, rinse, repeat. Mm -hmm. And then you, as you said, you could tweak it after you do a few, change it around yeah. and, and you're testing really what works. Then you, you start to become a, a, a pro at it, I think after a period of time. Um, you really do that. Um, the woman I told you who has the stroller mom workout business, she hosted her birthday party a few months ago. And she told me, she said, it was the easiest party I've ever hosted because I just knew how to host. I knew how to invite, how to get the RSVPs, how to send the reminders. I have all my box of little supplies. The supplies, by the way, this whole party should cost you less than a hundred dollars. There's not decorations. It's not expensive food. It's a very affordable thing to do. And the big thing I want your listeners to know is that you can learn how to be a good host and hosting can change your life. It did for me. All right. So they're going to, they're going to host, they're going to do their first. Where are they getting, where are they telling you? Cause you, I, I know we want them to send you. Yes. I know I'm going to send you when I do it, but where could they send you? Where could they say hello and say, Hey, I hosted my first party. Here's how it went. You got to tell me I'm collecting group photos from all the parties, from people who use my formula. And my goal is to get to 500 verified hosts. It counts as verified. If I get a group photo where everybody's wearing name tags, I think I have like 417 now. So I'm getting close to my 500 goal. Um, please send it to me. I'm online on all the social medias at Nick Gray News, N-I-C-K-G-R-A-Y-N-E-W-S. Or just send it to me on email. I'm Nick at NickGrayNews.com. I would love to know, though. Oh, my God, that would make me so happy. I love to talk to my readers the day after their party, too. It's one of my favorite things. But if you have questions, if you just, like, want an accountability partner or anything like that, this is what I do full time. So I'd be happy to help. No charge, nothing. I'll look at everything. All right, Nick, this was the cliff notes version of your book that <laughs> we just did. There's so much more in there um, that I'll link up to everyone. Any final thoughts, questions, comments, insights for the audience you'd like to share before we uh, let you out of here? A small plug for my book. It has all of the scripts that I use to invite people, what I put in the RSVP, the, the exact words that I say the first people who arrive, the exact scripts of how to kick people out at the end. Um, so certainly use that as a resource. It's on Amazon. It's on Audible. Uh, I think I almost have 500 reviews on Amazon. Um, so it's a good book and a good resource. And then there's a website that I have that is www.partypro. P -R -O. And that site has kind of everything. It's got a uh, a checklist of 19 things you can do before your next party shows you how to host a housewarming party, a networking event. Um, I'll include show notes links for those as well. Yeah. And it's not a crazy long book. I, I think I did the audio book, which you are narrating, which is nice. I always like when the author narrates. Um, and I think it was a couple hours. Total. Yeah. It's like super it's, simple. This yeah. is not yeah. rocket science. You know, this isn't an engineering or like an organic chemistry class. This is simple <laughs> stuff, but nobody's just ever really codified it or written it down. Nick, thank you so much, man. This was a lot of fun. I appreciate you coming on the podcast. 
Thanks. More parties, more friends. Hey, everyone. And just one more quick thing before you head off on your day. If you're enjoying this podcast and are looking for other resources and tools to help you get started and move forward toward a happier and more fulfilling life, then I'd encourage you to head over to my website, brianondraco.com, and hit the subscribe button in the upper right corner. There you can find my newsletter and blog subscriptions, where I share insights and information around getting unstuck, perspective, mindset, relationships, habits, and much more. If you get a chance to sign up, I hope you enjoy. Thanks again for listening in and have a phenomenal day.